Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan, Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci fi nerd. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. So I have to tell my whole harrowing story about what happened yesterday. Okay, tell us. I don't remember if I talked about Chloe being missing when we did our last podcast. Well, anyway, she got out of the gate Thanksgiving night, and she basically just vanished. I mean, we nobody had spotted her anywhere. I drove everywhere I could think of, drove around all the neighbor, all the surrounding neighborhoods. I checked the ditches to see, to make sure nobody hit her, just constant. So I kept kind of trying over the, over the week. I put her picture up on some of the local Facebook pages and was trying to reach out to see if anybody'd seen her. Cause I thought it was weird that there were no sightings of her at all. So the day before yesterday, these people, I had two, three people on their drive home when they're coming across the bridge said that there was a black dog down on the river. Well, the river here is like a puddle. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's deep in sections, but it also has these big dry areas in the center. So as soon as I heard that, I told Ron, I said, go down to the river and see if you can see her. So he took the binoculars and went down there and he couldn't see anything. He didn't see any dog. Well, of course I couldn't not go look. So I pulled off the side of the road and went down underneath where, where the bridge is. Well, it was like five o'clock and it was already getting dark and I couldn't, the brush is so thick and heavy and there's like a cliff there to try to go any further in one direction. So I was like, fuck it. There's no way I can get through there. Well, I didn't sleep at all the night that night because I was worried because somebody had finally seen her or who I thought was maybe her. So the next day, um, I had to go to work because I had to do this virtual job fair. It's part of our requirement for the FCC. We have to do community outreach, all this other bullshit. So I had to go to the office. I couldn't not go. And, but in the meantime, I was reaching out, trying to find somebody who could give me access to the land because it's all private land. So I finally found a person in the neighborhood who had access. And she, as soon as I got back from work, is probably about 2.30, yeah, about 2.30, came home, got my big tall boots on and headed down by the river. I just, I mean, I spent probably a good hour walking around down there because it's just so covered in brush and difficult to get through. Went down to the river a couple of times to look out, you know, and see if there was, and there was nothing, nothing, nothing. So finally, I get almost all the way to the bridge where I could see the bridge from where I was, you know, I could see the cars. And so I thought, okay, this is a really good spot. And I'm just, I'm howling like a dog in as many different tones as I could because she's deaf. So 
I'm howling like a lunatic. And all of a sudden I stop and I hear this. So I, I quickly, I'm running and I run along to the edge of the sandbar and I can see nothing. So I went back up through the brush and got as close to the edge as I could. And it took me another probably 20 minutes going through this brush as close as I could get to the edge. And all of a sudden I turned the corner and there she is. <gasps> you found her? You found yes, her? I found her. And you didn't tell us? She was, she was chest. I was so exhausted, you guys. She was chest deep in the river in like quicksand or something. So, oh. and it was like this, okay? This, like, I'm looking at her. I'm going, I'm never going to fucking get her out. I'm never going to, it's, it, it's, I'm not going to be able to get her out because you know me, I'm not in very good shape. So I just put my phone aside and I went down there and I grabbed her around her middle and hoisted her up and got her front feet on the edge and then went to her back and like pushed her up and then I put my body behind her to like keep her from falling back in and I got her out <gasps> oh <Wow>. my gosh <laughs> and then it was like a mile through the brush to get back to where and every time like she she can't hear so I would be going along and she'd wander off in one direction, you know, and there are cows. She's barking at the cows. She was out there for a week, you guys. And she's acting like no big deal. No big deal. She was just on vacation. I had a bag Jeez. of I had a bag of like biscuits that only had maybe five little biscuits in it. <laughs> the whole time I was trying to, you know, get her to come along for these biscuits. And I was thinking. This must be what the hobbits felt like when they had just this little bit of lembas left, you know, and they're trying, <laughs> trying to get along. So, oh my God. I, I, when I finally got back to the car, because you couldn't drive all the way down in there. You had to walk. And it was probably a quarter of a mile straight up to get to where I could turn the bend and finally get to my car. And about halfway up that hill, I'm thinking, there's no fucking way I'm making it. I am not making it up this hill. And she was like, I'm not making it up this hill. So she keeps trying to go off the trail and get off. So I'm holding on to her tail, laying in the fucking road. Oh, my God. So I, we fi I finally get her in the car and I bring her home. And it's literally right across the street from our house. The yeah, place. I said the river's yeah. right there. Yeah. So I get her in the gate and just push the gate shut and just lay down. And I'm just, I, I hadn't cried this whole time. Aww. And I'm sitting there just sobbing at the top of my lungs. And Ron's like, what? She's home. She's fine. Why are you crying? And I'm like, I'm covered in scratches oh. Oh, all yeah. over my body and... It was, oh. and then I'm sitting here today and I'm thinking, you know what? I think I could survive a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I'd be okay. I think I could probably go out there and kick some ass. Here I am thinking, you know, I lifted the baby off. I lifted the Volkswagen off the baby with my adrenaline. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you found her. Yes. I, I was so, I was like, I'm not going to ask. If she knows something, she'll tell us. I'm not asking. You guys, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's one of those things where she's 13, over 13. And I thought, there's no way she survived this. There's no way she survived this. I'm thinking that the whole way, and I just kept going anyway, thinking, if I don't look all the way to the bridge, I'm never going to forgive myself because somebody saw, three people saw a dog down there. When, she must have been eating berries and stuff or grass. or. See, that's the thing about her. She lives outside. Yeah, so she'll she, eat anything. So she forages constantly. You know, she eats the grapes off the grapevine. She's not, they're not supposed to eat grapes. Yeah. Um, she goes up and digs the remainder of the sweet potato vines out of the ground and eats those because she, you know, that's who she is. Yeah. And she is, oh my God, she's skinny, you guys, even after a I week. Oh. Yeah. I can oh. imagine while well, she was gone for a week. I know. I can't believe she yeah. didn't hurt herself. No, that, that was the thing that surprised me the most is once I got her out of the river, oh my God, she was in the fucking river, you guys. And it's so Probably cold. saw a fish or something. Maybe she was going to go get like a fish or something. I think what happened is she got out on that sandbar and then was trying to get back to the shore and, and wandered stuck. through there and got stuck in that hole. Yeah. She was down in a hole full of water. All the way up to her chest. Poor baby. I can't believe I'm just glad you found her. Me too. Yeah. Uh, It just wouldn't have been right if we came out for Christmas this year and she wasn't there. I was so surprised. I can't even Yeah. Oh. It was a it was a day yesterday. And of course, that was way more exercise than I do in a year. So by the time I get home, I'm just exhausted. And the and I went to bed at like eight o'clock last night. Good for you. Because I was just exhausted. This morning I get up and I'm like, why do my arms hurt? And then I look <laughs> down and it's like these huge red look at that. I can see the one, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And they're all over me. They got through my jeans even. Oh yeah, some of those are sharp. Yeah, that's my story. Uh, and if she's a- like everybody else's pets, you look at her and go, and what did we learn from this? <laughs> you know what Ron said? Nothing. You know what Ron said today? He's like, you know, I'm kind of halfway thinking about kind of leaving the gate ajar, just wandering off just a little bit to, to see, see if, she if she'll go out. <laughs> I'm like, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Does anybody ever get Noodle the Pug on their TikTok? I don't anymore. Can I break bad news to you since we had good puppy news? <gasps> oh, did Noodle die? Noodle died Aww. yesterday. Poor he was so cute, but he was old. He was like a 14-year-old pug. Yeah, like, my baby's old. 13, girls. I know, but pugs are notorious. Like, that's a long life for it a is, pug. It is, because they don't... They don't because he would do the no bones or bones day yeah, like his yeah. owner yeah noodle got us through the pandemic <laughs> see i thought it was going to be that i really did i i was just bracing myself i wasn't going to tell the noodle the pug story but since we had positive chloe news i thought i could <laughs> no 
when did you see that Twitter suspended Kanye's account? I was like, you know you were a fucking mess when Elon Musk is like, bro, you've gone too far. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know you suck if Alex Alex Jones tells you to stop. Did you see he's declared bankruptcy? Yeah. Alex Jones. Big surprise there. Pay those. I'm sure he's consulting with Trump about how to declare bankruptcy and keep a whole lot of money. Oh, I'm sure that as soon as he found out he was being sued, he moved all of his money offshore. Well, and then the um, what's the designer that had the oh Balenciaga? Balenciaga. Martha probably saw. Yeah, they did did a um, they did a a commercial with little kids dressed in um, like bondage gear. Oh, what? Yeah. And then like, they had a teddy bear that they put out in bondage gear. In bondage. <laughs> Which the One Direction fans thought was slightly people? funny because there was a whole thing about One Direction had a bear that was, they called it bondage bear. And so that's where my brain went, not to like, and I was like, oh, but that's creepy in the context of a child in bondage exactly, carrying it. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. And not like a boy band dressing it up on the side of their stage during their show. Yep. But yeah. Well, so you know, every- they just had a principal and somebody else in, an administrator or something in one of the middle schools up here that just got arrested for having child porn on their computer. I saw that. And they, some of the kids are accusing them of inappropriate action. It's a little town. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that too. Yeah, I don't remember. I want to say. And I guess people knew about it and didn't say anything about it. I want to say over by Tulsa. Does that sound right? Is it over yeah, by Tulsa somewhere? Like I think, yeah, somewhere that way. Yeah. Yeah. Most oh. of the time I have my glasses on when I'm when I'm watching the news, so I can hear it, but I can't really see it. Uh. I, I saw a um a headline, but I didn't even want to look at it. I don't I don't even want to know that information. Thank you very much. Unless it's, it's just it's just too sickening. I just can't believe that if you work at a middle school and you know something like that's going on. Why would you not call the police? They're supposed to. That makes you part of the problem. And it makes you think you're not the person. It makes you think that people might think that's okay. Like live and let live kind of attitude. It's the slope goes down pretty quickly. And there's a lot of that going on right now. And it kind of makes you, I don't know. God. Well, you know what this next week is? Um, The anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Oh, topic, though, kind of reminds me of a book, not a book that we won't necessarily we would review on the podcast. But have you guys seen the book? I think there's two of them now called On This Day in History, Shit Went Down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. They are funny. It's a it's a compilation. There's a, a historical item for each day of the year. So you can, like, go through and oh, read the cool. item for that day. And they're weird things in history or outrageous things in history everything from pretty recent history to hundreds of years ago wow and they're funny and the guy has an unabashedly liberal slant to his thinking and his writing oh sounds like my kind of guy that sounds like a good bathroom book it it would be a perfect bathroom book the day shit went down the author of that book is James Fell. On this day in history, shit went down by James Fell. Okay. okay. See, that'd be a great uh, Christmas gift to give the nerdy guy in your life. Oh, it would. Wouldn't it? Or, or the nerdy girl. Nerd. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> or the nerdy girl who reads like a 40 to 60 year old man. Yeah. Or a history teacher. 
Yeah, history teacher, that might be a little bit boring for them. They already know all the good stuff. Hey, they can't remember it all. Trust me. <laughs> I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, Yesterday, let alone Did I eat lunch yesterday? the dates of anything. Well, I know oh, I, I did. didn't eat lunch yesterday because I was in the fucking river. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't grab a fish while you were in there? I know, really. <laughs> you no. just be like Gollum. I felt like Gollum when I came out of there. My hair's all <laughs> stringy. I was muddy all over. Oh <laughs> nice <goodness>. fishes. <laughs> but you found your precious, so it's I okay. found my precious. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yay! Did you tell Keith? Since Keith's not on, you no, should no. I her. didn't tell her. You should tell her since she's not with us today. You should tell her. See, and you say you're not a dog person. I know. Well, you guys, I. Huh? It's a great story. Uh -huh. the, the really weird part about it is, is I didn't embellish it at all. <laughs> That's actually what happened. I mean. Is, is it the river we drive over? Like yeah. The, the last yeah. bridge? Yeah. Uh -huh. But it's such a, um, all that land down there is just wild. So there's like, yeah. you know, sometimes you see like underbrush that's like, the vines, the wild vines grow across. And then yeah. if I had had a machete with me, it might have been easier to get through it. Yeah. I don't even think that would have done it because they were, bre I mean, like tree, Briar like trees. Yeah. I can't even. Holy shit. I can't even. I couldn't remember who I told because I was so exhausted when I got home last night. I was, I, was like, I was sad all week long trying to figure out what to do because once you drive around every place you have access to, yeah. I mean, and that's a big area that down by the river. That's a huge yeah. fucking area. I mean, how would you know where to even start? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's been a lot of dog stuff in one day, but. I know, and it wasn't me for a change. I know. I know. <laughs> Jeez. It's like the last person you'd think you'd hear a dog story from is me. But that's okay. I'm glad that it's a good dog story. Yep. Yep, she's home and, and safe. And found her because she. <laughs> I fed her. Uh, I fed her so much food last night that she probably didn't, like so sick to her stomach. That now she didn't she eat so her much. food this morning until like later <laughs> in the day. Because <laughs> I just left her food thing there, and I was like, "You eat as much as you want." <laughs> you probably did. She probably Ron's was like, like okay, she's I'm so just, full. Ron's like, she's just gonna barf. I said, "Yeah, but she'll eat it again." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You know how dogs are. They're like, ooh, that smells good. I think I'll eat that. <laughs> Does your book have any dogs in it, Bonnie? Uh, there is a rescue story in there, but it isn't about animals. Doesn't matter. Rescue will work. For a good transition, a rescue will work. Who got rescued, Bonnie? Okay, well, I kind of decided to go with a non-story a non a non story <laughs> leave that in i will i'm totally leaving that in not a non story a non fiction so it's kind of like not a story because it's true <laughs> and this is very much a 40 to 70 year old man book because it's one that my dad recommended to me it is called A Higher Calling by Adam Makos. 
And it starts out with a group of kids, some uh, boys who are friends, and they all love airplanes and World War II stories and everything. And they decide they're going to start this little newspaper. They're still in high school. It was very much just this thing that they were going to do. So they started this newspaper and it actually caught on and people liked it and people started reading it. So they were able to start um, like interviewing these World War II pilots, fighter pilots and everything for their paper. And at the beginning, like a lot of people, you know, anyone who flew in the German army, they're Nazis, we're not going to interview them, so on and so forth. Well, he gets the opportunity to interview Charlie Brown, who is a World War II bomber pilot named Charlie Brown. I thought that was kind of interesting because of, you know, peanuts. Does he have a Christmas tree with only one ornament? (laughs) (laughs) He might, he might. Um, But so he goes to talk to Charlie Brown about flying bombers during World War II over Germany. And Charlie Brown tells him that he can't even tell his story to him until he talks to this German fighter pilot who lives in Canada. This was up in like East Coast, Northeast. I can't remember exactly where if it's upper state New York or what, he doesn't really want to do it because he has it in his brain that all German military are bad people, so on and so forth. But he really wants to get Charlie Brown's story. So he decides that he's going to interview this fighter pilot named Franz, who now lives in Canada. And then it goes from more modern times back to when Franz was a little boy and very first learning how to fly. And it tells the whole story about Franz growing up in Germany post-World War I. So the economy, of course, in Germany was horrible, terrible. His family was very much anti-Nazi. They did not believe in the party. But of course, you know, and I know that I've discussed it before, that you didn't have a choice. You had to fight for Germany if you were male and the right sort age. Sort of like Russia right now, where they're yeah. telling every every single person of the right age. And yes. you can't leave the country. Yeah, it's very much you're being told what you have to do. So you kind of hear about him learning how to fly. Then he starts working kind of for like an airliner. And he becomes an airline pilot in Germany and learns how to fly a lot of different planes. And because he has all this experience, of course, they want him in the Air Force. So they hire him into the Air Force as a civilian. He's not part of the military yet to fly back and forth to Spain because, of course, Germany was providing supplies to the fascist party during this Spanish Civil War. Uh. And so he, and then just one day, he says something to his boss about this corporate that he has, won't listen to him because he's just a civilian. And he says, all right, well, 
now you're a private. You're now in the Air Force. I mean, and that's exactly how he joined the military. He said, you are now in the military. And that was it. So it tells his whole story and about his brother who was also in the Air Force and about his uh, father who got drafted at like 65 to train horses for the military. And then it goes back to Charlie Brown and Charlie Brown's when he very first was in the military. It doesn't go all the way back as far with uh, Charlie's history, but just enough background so that you know, you get a connection with these two people. And then I'm not gonna say very much about how they meet, but one works, one's in the military for America, one's in the military for Germany. So you can kind of guess how they would meet. And it's just, it's, it's a harrowing story. I mean, it had me on the edge of my seat. I mean, it's a good thing that we're not busy at work right now because I don't <laughs> think I work. The whole like fight scene that was happening where they very first meet and where their connection begins. It's one of those nonfiction books that it does have a lot of information, but it also has enough of the personal history of the characters that you really get a connection with them. There is a pet that Franz has when he is on an airbase. Can't remember where the airbase was, but apparently the Austrian zoo gives them this bear, this bear that's been raised by humans. It's never lived in the wild. And so this bear is never, has never bitten people likes to lick people and goes, they take him swimming in an actual swimming pool, a public pool. They take him to a public pool. <laughs> and at first the lifeguard doesn't want to let them in because he's like, you can't let a bear in here. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> and he's like, no, he's friendly. He's friendly. Yeah. And- <laughs> this is my they pet end- rattlesnake. He's very friendly. <laughs> He's friendly until he goes bare, and then he's not. Well, they end up letting him in. Oh, I can't believe it. The public ne- pool. I would never he let him wear a suit. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> he had his fur coat on. I thought that was kind of cute. I, I mean, it's it's a very engaging book, even though it's nonfiction. If you're at all interested in the mechanics of planes you will absolutely love this book because there's a lot of information about planes. It was awesome. I loved it. It was great. Like I said, it's a good thing we weren't busy at work because I didn't get very much work done when the fight scenes were going on. And that again is A Higher Calling by Adam Makos. You can go ahead and fill Keith's spot today, Megan. All right. Well, the book I am reviewing was recommended to me by my friend Kim a thousand years ago. And I bought it and it has sat on my shelf and I was just waiting for the right time because I like reading cozy books in December. So I was, this is going on the top of the list for December. And that is The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. And I loved everything about this book. Everything about it was just fantastic. Uh, So we have Rebecca, who all goes by Bex. And she has a twin sister named Lacey. And they've, you know, done everything their whole lives together. Their father 
invented what they call the couchurator, which is like a refrigerator that like fits in your couch. (laughs) (laughs) So she's kind of like, not like famous by any means, but like they're well off. Like she's not just an average like Midwestern girl. They do live in, oh, it's either Idaho or Iowa. Now I can't remember which. One of those I states. So they are, they are, you know, Midwestern-ish, but they own a huge company and are, you know, have a lot of income. So her sister decides to go to school at Cornell and Rebecca's like, you know what? I really don't want to go to Cornell with you. I'm going to go somewhere else. And she goes to Oxford to do study abroad and ends up in like a smaller dorm and because all true romances of London, of course, her down the hall friend, housemate, whatever, um, is none other than the Prince of Wales. Of course he is. Of course. Um, so this is the royal family, but it's not the our royal family. We do have Queen Eleanor, who you know is kind of that Queen Elizabeth. We have Prince Richard, or as they can love to call him because he's kind of an asshole. They call Dick. him Prince Dick yeah. in the whole book. His kids even call him that. So you do have that Prince Charles like figure. But I think up until like Elizabeth's mom, the line, the line kind of you have Queen Victoria, you have some of the names that you know, they're, but the rest of the line is totally different. So Rebecca becomes friends with the people she's living with and they are all in his inner circle, right? They've all been background checked. He's known most of them his whole life. They're all aristocrats, kids. And she just kind of ends up plopped in this group. She starts kind of messing around with, one of the guys named Clive, but she quickly realizes like, oh, I kind of have a thing for the prince. And she really didn't know who he was at first, of course, but we'll roll with it. And she keeps getting told that he's dating all these people, but he's really not dating any of them. It's all for tabloids and stuff. Not like fake relationships, but there's just, it's all rumor. Like he's not actually dating anybody. So they start dating and have to keep it a secret because he doesn't want to subject her to the scrutiny of the paparazzi and it's like a whole thing and there's ups and downs all over the place as it as there is and the friend circle like one of their friends wants to be like a famous designer but her designs suck ass and and none of them really want to like tell her and then like bex is so nice like she keeps wearing like Josie's josh josie I think it's Josie. I don't think there's an odd uh, Jose. Whatever. She keeps wearing like some of her designs, and as she gets more well known, they're like, "You've got to stop wearing these. They're awful." Because <laughs> um, she'd wear like a shirt, and it would have like printed on it "shirt." <laughs> like it was, they were awful. And you're just like kind of that same inner circle. It wouldn't be a romance if there wasn't something that you know pulls them apart. They end up breaking up probably like halfway through the book because the pressure is just too much because he won't be seen. He won't acknowledge that they're together. Cause you know, he keeps saying, I'm trying to protect you because there's a whole sub storyline with his mother and where she is and what happened to her. So I won't give any spoilers on that. So he keeps saying like, I'm trying to protect you. I don't want you to be They're rabid dogs. <laughs> like they will come for your throat. Um, and it finally kind of gets to the point where it's just like too much. And her sister doesn't help the situation. Her sister ends up coming to London because she's all like, I want to be with you. And really, you're like, you just want to be seen with all these people. Like, her sister's kind of trying to 
be famous, I guess, so easy way to say. So there's a lot of like relationship with her sister that's strained throughout the book. She has some wild times. It, it really does almost if you combine like Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton into one person, that's kind of how this story feels because there's moments where like you can tell she, I just felt like she was Kate where she's getting prepared to be a princess and like all these things. And other and and she does when they break up. She does what? Remember when Kate wore her own like revenge dress? She went out and it was like a sheer thing. Like it was a whole thing. She kind of does the same thing. She goes off the rails and is just party hopping with the royal friends and wearing these like really skimpy bikinis and just everyone's having a field day with it because they know she's a friend of his, whether they can connect him or not. She's still being associated with him, even though they were never officially anything. So it's it's interesting. There's a lot. There's some family tragedies that happen in her family. There's a lot of back and forth. There there's some people in the story without giving anything away that are not the person or people you thought they were. So that kind of gets interesting. And I just really enjoyed. There were moments where you were like laughing and feeling like this is the best story. And then there were moments where I was like in tears reading it. I was like, this is so sad. <laughs> And it was great. I loved it. I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end because it's the last half of the book is intense. <laughs> but you know something, you know somebody that she's hiding something because early on it starts off kind of towards the end of the story and then kind of goes backwards. And yeah, so you get to figure out what she's hiding because she's like, well, I can't even call my sister because we're not speaking to each other. And I don't have anyone supporting me. And I'm getting, she's getting like threatening text messages that say things like, I know what you did and stuff like that. So yeah, you find out where those are coming from and what happened to cause them and what happened with the falling out with her sister. And it's so good. There's a sequel and I cannot wait to read it. I'm going to read it over Christmas since we'll have everything pre-recorded, <laughs> so I can read the sequel. And it was so good. I'm so glad Kim recommended it to me. And I'm sad I waited this long to read it because it was really good to follow the relationship of Nick. Nicholas is the prince and his brother, Freddie, is hilarious. <laughs> you just kind of love Freddie and and Bex and all their ups and downs and roller coasters adventures. And that is The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. And I give it five stars on Goodreads. Hands down, five stars. Super wow. good. Very high praise. Pat, how about you? Okay. What's your entry for this day? It is uh, The Plague of Doves by Louise Erdrich. And this is a book that I picked up because a few weeks ago we were doing a focus on Indigenous people and Indigenous authors. And in addition to the one that I reviewed for that, I thought, I've always heard about Louise Erdrich, never read any of her books. So I picked this up to give it a try. This woman is giving Margaret Atwood a run for her money in my estimation. She is a marvelous author and uh, I thoroughly enjoy, in fact, the book that I read is the first in what they call a sort of loosely connected trilogy. It's not absolutely, you know, you have to read all three, but there are three books that are connected by location and theme and some characters. And I just tore right through all three of them. I could not stop. Wow, that's awesome. So the, uh, the trilogy is called the Justice Trilogy. And The Plague of Doves is the first in the trilogy. It's set in a fictional town in North Dakota, uh, Pluto. 
Pluto, North Dakota. Does that not sound like the most remote place in the world? It sure and, does. <laughs> and or it, may be. it might not even be a town anymore. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. Now it's, a, what is, now it's a dwarf town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a dwarf town. That's what it is. Yeah. Not, not a real town. Not a real town. I mean, it sounds awesome. I would live there. So the, uh, the event that much of what happens in the book goes back to for its roots was the murder in the very early years of the 20th century, the murder of a family of white farmers, settlers. And a group of Native Americans was accused of the murder and several of them were lynched, essentially. I don't think justice never, never was given a chance. They just were lynched. And then several other Native Americans who had who had witnessed the event, the people, the white people in the village, um, the town decided that they probably were guilty too, and they were going to kill them as well, and broke into the jail, basically kidnapped them, and were lynching them, and one of them got away. Well, the one who got away is the grandfather of the first narrator in the book, uh, a woman named Evelina. So all of that happened, and all of that apparently was based on a true happening, um, an actual murder in that took place, I think, in 1897 in North Dakota. And so that formed the basis for the story. We're now, oh, we start in the 1960s and go forward from there in the, the time period of the Plague of Doves. But the grandfather of Evelina, the first narrator, who's known as Musham, is a wonderful character, and he tells stories, some of which are actual history, some of which are legend, some of which are a mixture of both. You don't know quite what's quote unquote real and what's what's not. And what you find out through the course of this book, and there are several narrative voices besides Evelina, there's a, just, there's a, a judge in the uh, local court system. There's a woman who became a doctor. There's a woman who was a village girl who ended up marrying a guy who was an evangelistic preacher, several narrative voices. But again, everything circles back to that murder that had taken place 60 or 70 years before the time set in the book. And the injustice that was committed then lingers in the community and it passes its seeds down through their culture and everything even decades later ties back in. You always see how did this murder form the a lot of the culture of this community and a lot of the relationships between indigenous people and white people. It's also a book full of wonderful characters, a book full of almost situations that you'd almost say would be outrageous, but she makes them very believable. One of the characters is a young man who is kind of a local uh, as a teenager, not quite a juvenile delinquent, but well, yeah, he's involved in a kidnapping. I think that probably qualifies him as a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> oh, just a regular guy. Yeah. Just some but light kidnapping up, on the side. You know, he ends up going off into the military where he finds religion and he comes back and turns into this evangelistic preacher who gathers a whole cult around him. And you see things from the point of view of his wife. It's not a book that you could easily recount the plot of because there are so many little stories all being woven together, but the people are so real 
that by the time you get to the end of it, you just feel like if you could be plopped down in the town of Pluto, North Dakota, you would know almost everyone in town and find ways to relate to them. It's a beautifully written, thought-provoking book. That is The Plague of Doves by Louise Erdrich. Now, what are the other two books in that series, Pat? I know Roundhouse is the, the second, second one. The second one is The Roundhouse, and the third one is called La Rose. I read La Rose, but I didn't know that there was a, a connection. Yeah, any any one of them could stand alone. Yeah. By a, if they're, they're complete in their In fact, in I themselves. think I might have even reviewed that one. That's the one where the little boy is... The guy accidentally shoots his neighbor's son. Oh, He's out hunting. Oh, God, and yes. He, In fact, and he goes to shoot. And he get, so he and his wife give their son yes. to the neighbors. That's the very yeah. very first Louise Erdrich book that I read, and I reviewed it. Gosh, that was years. It was years ago that I did that. But, God, what a great freaking book that was. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, she is brilliant. The audiobook of LaRose is read by the author. The last the other she two read weren't. she read The Living God Future Home, yeah, Future about? Home of a Living God. And I think there was another one that I listened to of hers that she read it. She's an excellent audio narrator as well. She is. She's yeah. very 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 good. The first two were not read by her. One was one had a female narrator, one had a man. I thoroughly enjoyed all three of them. Of the three, I, I would guess that my very favorite might be the middle one, The Roundhouse. Mm. But all three are just solid, wonderful books. And they give you, if you haven't ever had a chance to, which most of us who were not indigenous peoples haven't, they just give you a look at what li- what day-to-day life is like in that culture mm-hmm. and how things that we don't think much about as non-members of that culture how things are important, how things are perceived. It's a little journey into another culture that exists right there next to ours. And I would agree with all of that for all of the books of hers that I have read. You get that same authentic grasp of modern Native cultures, which is mm-hmm. just wonderful. I, I'm not 100% sure that I didn't review this book, but I'm pretty sure I didn't. For one thing, I forgot to put it in Goodreads. It was I read it right at the same time that I read Remarkably Bright Creatures. Thank you. I knew there was a bright in there somewhere. Um, it was right at the same time that I read that, and I was on vacation, and I did all this other stuff. And this one, this book that I'm going to review is called The Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. And this book is about octopuses or octopi. I'm not sure which is correct, but at the time that I read it, I was still in that, I don't know, that zone that you get into when there's a book that you really love so much and the whole octopus sentient, the idea that an octopus could be sentient was really on my mind at that time. And so the when I read this one, it just sort of became almost a continuation of that. And I didn't even, like I said, I, I didn't even remember to put it in Goodreads. But this is such a different book. It's almost, well, officially, I do believe it's a speculative fiction. It's science fiction, but it's set in the near future. And it, it begins, I don't remember what the main character's name was, but she has basically been studying cephalopods her whole life. And she's very excited to get this opportunity to go to this island area it's very remote 
where they've observed these uh, octopuses of doing some really unique things. And so she gets sent to there and the military has, has it all blocked off and it's all this big deal. It almost reminds you of an alien first contact type story. One of the things that makes it so much more unique is that all of the people that are on this island are really cool characters and there aren't very many of them. For one, there's this, this AI that is so advanced that he's one of a kind and nobody quite knows what to do with him. And he also feels like a sentient being the way that they talk about him in there. So you have that going on. And then the first really, I don't want to say exciting because that sounds bad. The first really dramatic thing that happens in the book is that they observe or they find one of the people from the island dead on the beach and of course all of it is being uh, the whole area is being monitored because of these this group of octopuses that are that they're studying well you quickly realize that the octopuses are walking on land and that the person on the beach was killed by one of them and so it's almost like it's a it's not even really a murder mystery because you know who did it but what they're trying to do is they're trying to understand what's going on with this community of cephalopods that are living in this area they're they're observing them using tools they're observing them doing all of these things and they're just sort of at a loss the one thing the reason I didn't give this five stars is that some of it is just a little bit too hard to believe. Some of the some of the things that happen during that time. What made it fascinating is fairly fairly well, maybe about halfway through the book, you find out that none of those people are ever going to leave that island. They basically signed on and that's it. They're not getting out. So there's that other set of things that's like added to this that the government's never going to let them go because of what they know. So in that way, it kind of feels like an alien story as well because they're trying to communicate with this other species of intelligent beings. And I loved how thought-provoking the book was. It, it really like brought up a lot of questions about, and like I said, I read it right after that other one that was about octopuses. So I really had on my mind the idea that there are so many creatures on this earth that we know very little about and the way they communicate. Pat, that book, that series of books that Adrian Tchaikovsky wrote. Children of Ruin, Children of Time. Right. Yeah. The it's the same thing where their language and the way that they behave is so different that we have no frame of reference for any of it. And <laughs> so it really just sort of pulls you in and watching, you know, how our species is going to react when something like that happens. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was a really cool book. Um, like I said, there were a few things that were a little bit too incredulous. I, I just wasn't quite able to suspend my disbelief long enough to, like, give it a full five stars. But I would say four and a half without hesitation. Very entertaining but very tense as well. 
So if you are interested in, in speculative fiction, it's not really sci-fi. It's something that definitely could happen in the future. And that's called The Mountain in the Sea by Ray Naylor. Nice. Has anybody else watched Wednesday on Netflix? Couple episodes. I'm in love. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I I, I have three more to go. What do you think, Pat? It was... It was amusing, but not enough to keep me watching the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that if I had had anything better to do that day, I probably wouldn't have gone past the third one. But it gets better as you go along. That's the one thing I discovered. Yeah. And I enjoyed it more for the nostalgia of the original Adams Family. And it kind of made me feel, especially when we meet Fester, I'm like all in when we met Fester. I'm like, I haven't gotten to Fester yet. Oh, he's the bet. That is such a great character. I'm going to watch some tonight. I was disappointed in the amount of, it it felt more like a contemporary high school. It did. Yeah. Thing than the old Adams Family. It didn't have the same humor. Yeah. There was a lot of that. But I think the nostalgia factor is probably the only thing that kind of kept me going a little bit. Well, like, I don't want to give a spoiler, but like when she opens that one door by doing the like. Yeah. 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 I mean, (laughs) obviously. It's it's like it's like the difference between uh, rich chocolate mousse and cotton candy. I like it way more than you guys do. <laughs> I love it. Well, like, I think it's fantastic. I like her like dance at the Raven. I think that's so well done. I love the whole. She's whole not. It, it's the whole youth thing. It's very it's much a it, YA sort of it series. Is. It, it is. is. It is. Yeah. And but so I, that's I'm the difference. Yeah. What I don't like the... I have gotten into the peripheral <gasps> based on your recommendation, Martha. That's yeah. pretty cool. It is cool, isn't it? Well, you definitely have to read the book then because mm-hmm. it, it gives you more insight. I mean, it's, it's confusing as fuck. The first time I read it, I, didn't... I mean, I loved it, obviously. But then when I went back and read it a second time, there's so much more that you get from it. And then mm. the way you integrate it into the way they're doing it in the, because there are two books that go into it. I'm getting more and more into it as the series progresses because they're adding more things in from the book as they go. In those first few, I was like, hey, you didn't do this and this. And then as it goes, it's starting to become closer. Mm. So I'm really liking that. Um, Have you seen The Wonder? I did. Mm -mm. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I'm still in the middle of it. It made me, I have to go back and look because it's been a little while since I've read the book. And it's like, I didn't remember the thing about her being a drug addict. I didn't remember that either. Might not be in the book. Yeah, I wanted to go back and look and see if she was, because it I was like, I don't if, remember that aspect of it. it but. If she was, then it was only mentioned in passing. I don't remember it being mentioned, though. I haven't gotten that far yet, obviously, or else I missed it, which could be the case. But I also need to start watching the 1899. I haven't started that yet. I haven't seen that yet. I'm not a big like, fan of it. Boss really liked it. Until the last episode. But I was like, well, if the last episode's setting you up for another season, like, it probably does feel weird. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, I, I haven't watched it yet. 
The other thing about the wonder that surprised me, and and I'm not good, I'm not good with kids and telling what age they are, but the girl in the movie seems older than the impression that I yep. got. Agre- of, I'll, I'll agree with that. I thought she was more like ten years old, or or even younger, or even yeah. And and this girl is almost a teenager. Yeah, she is. Yeah, which makes the story less. Because teenagers can be pretty sneaky, but the do- but the girl in the wonder didn't feel like that at all. She felt no. like more of a victim Very of, the, much so. of the situation. And in in the way they portrayed it so far, it hasn't. Like I said, I've only maybe I don't even know maybe one or two episodes in, so I'm not that far in. Episodes. It was a movie. It was a movie. Okay, well, yeah. I didn't finish it then. Ah. <laughs> so I'm still, I'm still waiting. I turned it off because I was depressed. Ah, uh, so I was like, and I, I thought, know, I and I, I missed the character, the nun, the the one who she shares the watching duties with. Yeah, doesn't get nearly as well developed in the movie as it did, as she did in the book, mm. which I think is a loss. Uh, at the at the very end, you kind of see a little hint of what you saw much more of in the book. But there's almost nothing all the way through the movie until the end when you she has one. You know, that's a, it's a shame that a lot of adaptations just don't get the full well, there's, you commitment. Can't. I mean, unless yeah. you're going to make an eight hour. These days, I'm all about the series. Yeah. I think everything yeah. should be a series that was a good book. <laughs> Tell with the movies. Fuck those guys. I don't think it's dirty enough. As in grubby. Uh, you know, mm. I got the impression so much in the book of this being a dirt poor family and, and the whole area, the depression that I felt when I was reading the descriptions of everything, you just don't get this. I didn't get the same feeling from it at all. There's not a sense of grubbiness in the movie. There's, no. They're isolated and they're, and they're clearly poor, right? but they're kind of poor but clean and industrious sort of poor not yeah I don't know maybe it was just the mood that it put me in while I was reading the book just felt so depressive (laughs) that the the descriptions that were given god that was such a good book um that was the wonder by Emma Donahue in case any of you Mm -hmm. want to read the actual book you should read it before you watch the movie in my opinion the book is wonderful of course it is well you know with Christmas, it just feels like, I don't know, this year just feels like I'm not feeling festive at all. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I do, but I don't. Uh, although the, the kids came over because Chloe's home. So Dylan had to come out and love on her. And they helped me put up the Christmas tree. So that got oh, done. Yeah. yeah. So. That, but I should. I feel like I should feel more festive. We're all at post-pandemic like burnout still. Maybe. Quote, I don't think we'll ever get back to where we were before the pandemic. Like I think things are just gonna feel not the same for a while. Hmm. I don't know. That's what Echo says too. Look at her. Yeah. See, <laughs> that bitch can hear. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> she just got us all fooled. She's like, gotta find out more stuff that way. <laughs> yeah, just just pretend like you can't hear. It's fine. The only adventure story, dog stories I have is going to PetSmart and the vet, because <laughs> that's always fun. 
The yeah, vet? Ugh. <laughs> There's a video. Now, the vet loves Echo. Oh, oh I bet. love her. They love you. There's like a video of a lady trying to trim her cat's nails and they put them in like a fish Why bubble collar thing. <laughs> like it's, like, it's like a ball and they put it in like close it on their cats. They look like they've got their heads stuck in a fish bowl. And oh they, no. They can't like a, you bite at them when they're trying to clip their nails. <laughs> the cat looked like mortified. He was just like, eh, no. <laughs> Pat, do you put your cat's head in fish bowls while you try to clip I, I have not put one in a fishbowl, but that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm like, I totally got to get me one of those. There was only one that would let me clip his nails, and he's one of the ones that passed away. So, Aww. Aww. Sammy. But it was, I, the, Sammy. Yeah. yeah. So the cat just looks so on it. Like he was trying to get away from her, and then she like closes it up, and he just freezes. He's like, no, no. <laughs> sort of like when you, when you, um, I'll be good. Don't shoot me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. It did look like a space helmet. <laughs> don't shoot me into space. <laughs> I don't even like Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, and that's going to do it for Three, three book, book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group three book girls tribe on facebook if you really love them share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events three book girls a steel trap production